Welcome back to the Spirits Guide Podcast. I am Rich, your guide through the intoxicating world of spirits, books, movies, music, and anything else that I feel like connects us as human beings. And I want to start out, as always, by thanking you guys for taking a little bit of time out of your day, out of your week, out of your life to spend it here with me. I, I don't I don't know what to say about this episode. It's going to be kind of all over the place because that's really where my head is at. Um, oh, yeah. Also want to say that I hope everybody had a good, happy Thanksgiving, you know, Happy, healthy, fun, gorged on a lot of food. Um, got to spend time with friends and family. Uh, got to enjoy a day off. Uh, that's pretty much what it was for me. You know, in the weeks leading up to Thanksgiving, working in retail, it's it's just constant go, go, go. Uh, we ran a grand tasting at my store the weekend before Thanksgiving. So there's a lot of prep uh, for me that goes into it. And it was, it's interesting, you know, the, the state of the, the industry right now, um, it's in a weird, weird spot. And unfortunately for me, I'm working for people who are either, you know, narrow-minded, short-sighted, uh, I don't know, arrogant, ignorant of the facts. Um, but the business is just in a weird, weird place. Uh in part because there's so much competition and, you know, it's, it's sort of symbolic of a larger picture in, in things of, you know, 25 years ago, there were only so many options you could purchase beer and wine and spirits, uh, at least here in the state of Massachusetts. And those laws have changed. Liquor licenses have changed. You can get you know, there's a lot of grocery stores where you can not only get beer and wine, but you can also get spirits. Um, every convenience store and gas station, it seems like you can get at least beer and wine, which are your number one selling items in any liquor store. You know, the big box stores moving in, the the Total Wines, the BJ's, the Wegmans. Um, you know, there's just, there's so many options out there. And I feel like... there's a lot of people aren't trying to figure out how to get better, you know? And I think that's sort of problematic in our world now of like, we seem to be willing to settle for mediocrity or not really look at what the issues are um, as to why things are changing and and how to address them and how to get better at it, Uh, which is something that I'm striving to do all, all the time of, you know, with this podcast is sort of a a microcosm of that of every, how do I get better? How do I make this more interesting? I know that there's a million podcasts out there. Um, and so I, I feel like I have to try to, to do my best, uh, and, and be as interesting as possible because you guys have so many other options to listen to that if I'm just kind of, you know, sort of phoning it in and, and being okay with being mediocre, uh, that, that's not fair to you guys. It's not fair to ask you guys to to share, you know, your day with me uh, if I'm not going to try to do the best that I possibly can. All right, too much, too much rambling, not enough drinking. Uh, that sweet cork pop <laughs> that you heard in the beginning, um, that's probably the best thing about this bottle. Again, 
this this sort of weird striving to be mediocre, flooding the world with mediocre product. Um, This is a prime example of, you know, bourbon is on the boom. Um, I actually feel like it's a bubble that's about to break in the next couple of years. But right now it is in full-fledged madness and everybody wants in on the game. And, you know, we're coming up on the end of November. We're, we're just about to, to glide into December. And, you know, what that usually means is like it's a time of reflection of, you know, what you've done all year. For me, it's, you know, what did I do? Was I better than last year? Was I, I worse than last year? Um, you know, reflecting on positives, trying to build on the negatives. One of the things as I reflect, you know, and and I'm putting together like my best whiskeys of the year list, which is, you know, so subjective and so goofy, but it is kind of fun to, to put it together. As I'm going through the list and, you know, I've got a top 20 list that I'm, you know, I've got 20 whiskeys that I've narrowed down are maybe the 20 best that I've tasted this year. Um, but I've also tasted some really, really awful overpriced overinflated bottlings and this is one that i'm gonna go back to here and see if it got any better because you know what sometimes that happens you go back you revisit a bottle and you go oh that's not too bad what i've got in front of me fortuna uh i have talked about this all year is maybe one of the three worst whiskeys i've tasted ever in my lifetime for a variety of reasons but most of all, the hype, the lack of transparency. Um, this is batch 1B uh, out of 2022 bottles. This is bottle number nine. Yeah, it just says distilled in Kentucky and bottled for Fortuna bourbon, uh, which is part of the rare character family. Uh, you guys know how I feel about those clowns. All right. Again, no transparency, so we don't know how old it is. Uh, it does say Kentucky straight bourbon, so at least two years. Um, minimum of four years because there's no other age statement on it. Uh, 102 proof. All right, so here's the thing. This bottle dropped with a ton of hype behind it. Now, 75, 80 bucks, whatever it is. That is a really solid $30 bourbon. It's right in line with like just regular Jefferson's or a redemption bourbon. It's, it's not terrible, but it's not worth the money and the hype. Uh, and I know it's not just me that thinks that way because every store that I see advertise it is trying to flush this out at rock bottom price. Uh, cause I think we all bought in on the gimmick and yeah, it's just not, not great, uh, for what it is. So that being said, there just wasn't a lot of bourbons this year that really sort of blew me away more world whiskeys, more scotch, some interesting blended American whiskey, some interesting American rye, but not a lot in the way of bourbon. That being said, a lot of uh, whiskey releases, or at least announced releases uh, this week that 
maybe give me hope for the future. Maybe. Um, yeah, let's get into some of the things that are announced. And then, you know, as, as the podcast goes on, I want to talk about some, some artistic stuff and really a, a change of direction for this podcast, uh, coming in the new year. And I'm going to taste some good stuff today. I, I promise you, uh, Barrelcraft spirits announcing the release of foundation. This one really piqued my interest. Um, it's the first release from barrel uh that is not released at cask strength it is going to be a permanent addition to their lineup i think it's only going out in like five states now and then in 2024 there'll be a national rollout of that it's a blend of whiskeys of bourbons from four different states kentucky tennessee indiana and maryland uh i don't know who any of the distilleries are that are supplying these there's probably ndas all over the place uh, but the bourbon is going to be, you know, anywhere from five to nine years. It'll be listed as a five-year. Um, but there's multiple bourbons from each of these four states. Some are five, six, seven, eight, nine years, all different ages, all blended together. Kudos to those guys who are probably the best in the business. And I kind of feel like Barrelcraft Spirits, they don't get the credit for what they do. And, you know... Somebody out there is going to be like, yeah, but, you know, all the great press. Yeah, I, I see like Heather Green gets, you know, named like Master Blender of the Year. Doc Swinson's gets a lot of credit for being blenders. But for real, like Barrelcraft Spirits, my only knock was that, you know, the price points, which, you know, as time goes on, their price points just seem to fall in line with where the market is going right now. But they really are the art of the blend. Uh and there's another release when I talk about it in a second, their New Year release. That's insane what the blend is there. Um, but Barrel Foundation, going to be a permanent addition, should be available here in Massachusetts next year, 2024. 100 proof it's going to be bottled at. Love that. Around 50 bucks on the shelf. I like that. You know, it's it's not a daily driver, um, but it, at 50 bucks, it's something you'll buy on more than one occasion. You know, it's not $90 like the rest of their sort of core products, the Seagrass and the Armida, uh, and the Vantage. Also from Barrelcraft Spirits, their New Year's blend. Um, this is something they do every year. And this, this is a holy shit. Wow. Breakdown. So the Barrel New Year Bourbon has eight-year Kentucky bourbon, five, six, and nine-year bourbon from Indiana, eight-year and 15-year bourbon from Tennessee, 11-year bourbon from Wyoming, and I have no idea who that is, maybe Driftless Glen, um, five-year bourbon from New York, five-year bourbon from Texas, in five-year bourbon from Ohio. Oh, in five and six-year bourbon from Maryland. So that's one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight different states. You know, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine, ten, eleven, twelve different aged bourbons from eight different states. How do you get that blend put together? I would love to watch that process. Um, it's going to be bottled at 113 proof. 
MSRP, 90 bucks. Fantastic. And again, if, if we had to put an age statement on this and in the press release that I read, and again, people ask me like, Oh, where do you get, you know, these reviews breaking bourbon, um, whiskey advocate, uh, bourbon pursuit, um, mash and drum. There's a bunch of different, you know, uh, bourbon news on Instagram. There's a bunch of different places I, I get a lot of this information from. But the press release I saw had this listed as a five-year bourbon. Again, numbers don't tell the whole story. Yeah, it'll be listed as a five-year bourbon if they put an age statement on it. But there's 15-year Tennessee. There's 11-year Wyoming. There's six-year Maryland. There's eight-year Kentucky. There's nine-year Indiana. It's got to have that five-year age statement because the age is the youngest whiskey in the blend. So if they put five-year on there, everybody would freak out, lose their fucking minds. Oh my God, it's a five-year bourbon. It's just the youngest whiskey. Um, younger whiskeys and older whiskeys exhibit different characters. When you blend them together, sometimes you get magic. That's what I'm actually going to be looking for. Uh, not going to lie. I don't, you know, everybody else is out hunting Pappy and Blanton's and uh, it's, yeah, this time of year in retail is just absolutely insane. And <laughs> I've got to tell you, my friend Peter, uh, who is retired from his his career and has now taken on a part-time job at another store, not my store. Um, and so he's getting to see it firsthand. Uh, and we've had multiple conversations lately of, yeah, all those things that you've talked about over the years, I'm starting to see them firsthand. It, it, the, the craziness, the people coming out of the woodwork, uh, you know, the people, uh, what do you get for good whiskey? Uh, by good whiskey, what do you mean? You know, and it's Weller, uh, Elmer T. Lee, E.H. Taylor, Stag. Like, they, they really think that the only good whiskey out there comes from Buffalo Trace, you know, or uh, what do you get in the back room? As if there's this mysterious back room. And you know what? I'm going to say it. I'm going to say it here. I'm going to say it on the Whiskey Wednesday video for Wachusett Wine and Spirits next week. I'm going to admit there is a mysterious back room. How do you get into that back room? It's different for everybody, uh, but you don't just get to show up and ask to go see the back room. Uh, you don't just get to show up when I haven't seen you all year and ask me for something special. No. The people who do know, know. Um, and I have a back room for a reason because I have to build relationships with my people to get my hands on these bottles. I'm not giving them away to people that I don't have relationships with. Whew, I told you guys this one was going to be all over the place. Um, Heaven Hill Select Stock. Uh, this is coming out in 2024. I think these are distillery-only releases. These aren't like the Heritage Collection. Uh, but they're coming out with a 13-year bourbon and a malt whiskey with a mezcal barrel finish. No price on that. I just saw the press release that they were releasing it next year, um, but no price. But a malt whiskey with a mezcal barrel finish. Seems a bit out of character for Heaven Hill, but kudos for trying something interesting and different. Also from Heaven Hill, uh, to commemorate 
the anniversary of the Evan Williams experience, uh, which is in downtown Louisville. It's a fantastic place to go. Uh, if you go to Kentucky and you don't make it all the way out to Bardstown, at least check out the Evan Williams experience in downtown Louisville uh, to commemorate the anniversary, which I believe is uh, they've been open for like 20 years. I think um, a 10 year single barrel Evan Williams. Evan Williams single barrel was always the best value on the shelf for single barrel bourbon. Uh, they made it a distillery only release a year or two ago. Uh, so it is not available in the general market. You have to actually go to heaven Hill or the Evan Williams experience to get it. But this would be the oldest one I've seen of Evan Williams, 10 year single barrel, 110 proof, $110, uh, a buck a proof point on that one. Maker's Mark announcing that in 2024, the Wood Finish series is coming back. Uh, we were told this year that the BEP was going to be the last in that Wood Finish series. Apparently, they changed their mind. Next year, there will be another release in the Wood Finish series. Uh, it's called the Heart Release. It's meant to commemorate all the people who make Maker's Mark. It's going to be bottled at 112.6 proof. Um, again, no pricing on that. 2024, we'll also see Russell's Reserve 15-year. Uh, I saw a label approval for that. It's going to clock in at 117.2. No price available on that as of yet. Here's one that kind of falls under that why even do a fucking press release thing. Old Forester announcing the release of 150th anniversary bourbon. It is a 12-year bourbon uh, that aged for 150 months. It's bottled at 100 proof. Now, this was meant to be a special release for the Brown family, and they decided to release 150 bottles to the public. 150 bottles. Why why bother doing a pre why bother releasing 150 bottles? I, this is part of the madness to me of, you know, Eagle Rare 25, but we only made 200 bottles. I why why bother just donate them to charity auctions, keep them in house, you know, sell them to your your millionaire billionaire friends. Why do a press release and get the whole world wound up going crazy, getting them out hunting for things that they're never going to find? And again, if you find it with all the hype, first of all, over the years, there have been so many movies where you're like, the hype is so incredible. I don't even want to go see it because it can't possibly live up to the hype. Uh, I know people who still haven't watched Game of Thrones because all of the hype surrounding it was so big that they either feel like a cliche for watching it or they feel like it can't possibly be that good. Um, and by the way, Game of Thrones was that good right up until uh, the last season. <laughs> and what's funny about that is there's a lot of people who feel like they would be a cliche if they watched what everybody else was talking about. And yet fucking bourbon hunters don't get that concept that you are a cliche because you are chasing the same thing that everybody else is chasing because everybody else is chasing it. Um, yeah, so 
Old Forest, 150th anniversary, 100 proof, 150 bottles, MSRP, $2,500. George Dickel doing an 18-year bourbon. Uh, The eight-year bourbon from George Dickel, one of the few realistic bourbon releases that came out this year that wasn't a specialty release. It was a line extension permanently on the shelves. It's one of the few that really got me excited. Um, the 18-year bourbon is going to be bottled at 90 proof. Unfortunately, it's clocking in at $510. How you settle on 510, I don't know. Make it 500, make it 550, make it 600, but 510, that is kind of a weird one. Rabbit Hole. Here's another brand that I've never fully, fully, truly been in love with. Uh, I think it's incredibly overpriced. I think the 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 whiskey is good. Um, I think that the way they named it is confusing. Uh, I don't think customers fully understand it, uh, but they've got a lot of money behind it. And so here we are. Talk about following what everybody else is doing. Rabbit Hole Amberana. What they've done is they've taken 12-year bourbon. Wait a minute. 12-year bourbon? Rabbit Hole has been making bourbon for 12 years. Hmm. 12-year bourbon with a mash bill of 78 corn, 12 barley, 10 rye. Hmm. You know whose mash bill that is? Heaven Hills. So it's probably Heaven Hill juice that they finish in Amberana casks because that's what all the cool kids are doing right now. Uh, bottled at 125.4 proof. So 12-year bourbon in an Amberana cask. 2,176 bottles. Again, not a major release. MSRP, $1,100 a bottle. Are you fucking kidding me? 12-year bourbon, $1,100. This is the problem with with everything, really, of like every release now is, you know, let alone hundreds, thousands of dollars, $1,000 new release. This isn't a baseball card from 1972 that managed to survive. This is something that is released right now today. You are coming out of the gate at $1,100 a bottle. You have to be printing money. I get Amberana barrels are expensive. I get that they're not easy to work with. I get that you probably had to buy whiskey from Heaven Hill to even do this project. And I'm trying to think of how many barrels that would be. It's it's not a ton, uh, maybe 200, maybe 10 barrels of whiskey total. Yeah, that's that's a lot of money for 12-year bourbon that's been finished in Amberana barrels. I, I don't get it. Um, it really has kind of pushed me to sort of refocus and relook at kind of the industry as a whole and, and, and the whole concept of just some of the, the ridiculous things of people coming in. What do you got for good bourbon? I've got a ton of great bourbon in my store. It's not all Elmer T. Lee. 
um, George T. Stagg, Thomas Handy, Eagle Rare, Buffalo Trace, Blanton's, you know, it's, you know, Hancock's Reserve, Rock Hill Farms. I have a lot of really good bourbon. But people are just looking for those status bottles. I, I had an older couple come in uh, to my store this week and ask my cashier, uh, uh, what do you got? And, you know, what we've got is is what's behind the, the counter, what's on the shelf, what is available for sale. You know, well, what do you got in the back room? And when my cashier told them there, there is no back room, they kind of gave him, uh, yeah, right, kind of look. And then when I came out to talk to this customer, you know, yeah, my son-in-law is a collector and, you know, and they, you know, they're looking for this and they're looking for Elmer T. Lee. So, well, you know, I've got a, a couple of bottles of uh, Gatsby Reserve up there, the Remus Gatsby, which is a highly allocated, very limited bottling. It's a 15-year single barrel bourbon, 300 on the shelf almost. Nah, not interested. Uh, it's allocated. It's rare. It's 15-year MGP. You know it's going to be good. No. Why? Because it doesn't say E.H. Taylor, Blanton's, Weller on the label. It's, you know, like people out hunting for their their kids and their grandkids or, you know, this. my husband's looking for these whiskeys. Uh, yeah, what, what's he looking for? Well, do you have any Weller? And, and, and I already know immediately, like, I know where this conversation is going. I've never seen you before. Um, you know, people sending other people in as if I'm going to feel bad that you sent your grandmother in and I'm going to fall for the nice old lady gag. I, I don't know. It, it really has changed sort of the way that I feel about the industry and, and spirits and I, just being a part of this this messy machine. Now, the positive is, is that nobody is really talking about great Irish whiskeys or great scotches or, you know, quirky bourbons like Redwood Empire. Uh, so I can still get those things, you know, Rebel 100. I can still get those at good affordable prices um, because there's no hype machines behind them. But even so, dealing with dealing with some of the customers is getting to be uh, a bit exhausting. Not you guys. Um, what's awesome about you guys and and sort of my inner circle at the store and the, the customers that I've built great relationships with um, that I can go to you guys and say like, hey, what's on your wish list? Is there anything special you're looking for uh, this Christmas? Because one, uh, I know for a fact you guys are drinking them. Um, and most people are like, yeah, no. If there is anything, yeah, maybe I'll take it, but I'm not really looking. I'm not really chasing that stuff anymore. Um, and I guess, you know, it's not all terrible. Uh, the one sort of positive uh, story that I'll close this segment out before I take a break and uh, maybe just throw this glass of Fortuna in the trash and start to drink some good stuff. Uh, but I had a friend, my friend Jay from the Horseshoe Barrel Society, Um and if you don't follow them on Instagram, check them out. They're great guys, local. Uh, they did my old Forrester store pick with me uh, last year. But Jay was in for Thanksgiving into the store and, and stocking up on other stuff. Bottles of wine for Thanksgiving. Uh, some beer for Thanksgiving. Some other mixers. 
you know, not just looking for fancy bourbons. Uh, and I happen to have a bottle of Four Roses Small Batch Limited Edition um, that I know Jay was looking for. And I went up to him and I said, hey, you know, I've got this bottle. Uh, if you're interested, you know, I want to make sure because my thing is always I want to make sure the right bottle gets in the right hands of the right people. And I said, yeah, you know, I've got the Four Roses if you're interested. And without even flinching, he looked at me and said, so you want to taste it? And it was that simple. It was, yeah, sure. I want it. And I want to share it with somebody. Um, and we cracked it before it was even paid for. And I got to tell you, it's maybe one of the five or 10 greatest bourbons uh, I've tasted. Uh, and I'll add that to the list of the amazing whiskeys that I have tasted uh, this year, um, which kind of balance out this Fortuna. Mm. Yeah, just okay. All right, I'm going to take a quick break. When I come back, I'm going to drink some good whiskeys. I'm going to talk about the arts and some of the things that I've, I've seen and done this week. And uh, yeah, grab a drink. Meet me back here in a second. All right. I am back and I guess I mentioned I this year I have tasted some of the absolute best whiskeys I have ever tasted in my life, uh, including the three best bourbons I've ever had. Now, when it comes time for me to put together my best of list they don't qualify according to what my criteria is for, for that list. Um, and usually my criteria is, well, they'll qualify for my personal list. Uh, but when I do my best of for the store for what choose at wine and spirits, you know, I, I do my criteria of, it has to currently be available in the store. Um, it had to be new to the store this year, not necessarily a new release, uh, but new to the store, at least. Um, it can't be a store pick. Ooh, that was a nice one. Let me redo that. There we go. It's a nice little cork pop. Um, yeah, no store picks allowed on the best of list. And no... Well, a lot of the specialty releases get disqualified at the store because usually by the end of the year, they're not around. For my personal list, and I'll reveal it as we kind of go on, but you know, some of the best whiskeys I've tasted this year, uh, Maker's Mark, Cellar Aged, uh, Parker's Heritage, the Double Oak uh, Bourbon from earlier this year, uh, the Russells that I tasted um, with my friend Derek. Uh, Three of the greatest bourbons I have ever tasted in my life. Uh, Four Roses, small batch, limited edition. But it's also, it's kind of not fair to me with with lists and listing things like that because not everybody has access to them. So I try to keep that balance. Again, especially for the store, because at the store, like, you know, part of it is me declaring like these are the best whiskeys that, we've brought into the store this year. Um, but it's also, you know, I want people to be able to experience what I experienced. So while, 
you know, there's a pretty good chance that that Maker's Mark Cellar Aged might be my whiskey of the year. It it's like a tree that falls in the forest, and nobody's there. Does it make a sound? Who gives a shit? There's nobody there to hear it, even if it did make a sound. So for me to say like that's the best whiskey I've had this year, and to share that with you guys, all you guys can do is just kind of look at it, like you know that bottle is no different to most of you than the Eagle Rare 25. It's just not something most people are going to be able to find in the wild. And what's interesting about that maker's uh, seller age is I haven't seen anybody really posting that anywhere. Um, I haven't seen anybody post that they found it in the wild. I haven't seen anybody post uh, that they drank it. Uh, I'm sure somebody did, but I haven't seen it in any of the usual sort of sites and, and things that I follow on Instagram and on Facebook. I just, I haven't seen it out there. All right. That cork pop signifies that things are about to get better in the whiskey department right now. I've got in front of me the Iberian series from Redbreast. So what I have here, that cork pop is the, Redbreast single pot still, um, Lustau sherry finished edition. Next to it, I have the Redbreast PX sherry edition, and then I also have a sample that was given to me by my great friend Peter of the Redbreast Tawny Port. So I have all three of the Iberian series Redbreast in front of me. This promises to be fantastic. All right. Stats on this one. 92 proof. There's no age on this, um, but I want to say it's like 8 to 11 years. Uh, I'm not sure how long they finish it in the, the Lustau sherry barrels. You know, what amazes me too is that, you know, we sell plenty of this when it's in stock, the Redbreast Loose Style, which is now a permanent addition to the Redbreast lineup. And yet, not enough people walk over to the wine section and grab a bottle of Loose Style Sherry to taste the ingredient on its own. That is mind-blowing to me why people, you know, they know the word Loose Style, they know the word Sherry Finish. Um, but I challenge you. If you've never had sherry, if you've never had Oloroso sherry, or if you've never had PX sherry on its own, do it. It's wonderful. It's delicious. Um, and it will help you to break down some of the flavors when you're tasting these sherry finished whiskeys. Oh, man, that smells so good. So Thanksgiving week. You know, again, I worked like a dog, beat myself up. I needed some downtime. Um, and I had a couple of things kind of cooking. And <laughs> the first one was, you know, I've, I've kind of made a commitment to myself that I want to go to the movies more often. Um, I, I feel like I'm turning into that old get off my lawn guy. But really, I, I also feel like we are, are losing a sense of 
our culture and some of the the best things that we can experience as humans you know and as technology grows we don't actually have to experience things you know we don't have to go to the movies and have a collective human experience we can just stream it on our phone on our tablet sit at home watch netflix and binge whole series and i like doing that but i don't want to lose the experience of going to a theater i don't want to lose the experience of seeing it on a big screen with surround sound with you know hopefully other people i don't want to lose the experience of having shitty nachos and nacho cheese and a bag of swedish fish and ruining my diet um, and having to come home and take a whole bunch of insulin there's there's a there's just something to the experience of putting in effort maybe this is the central theme of everything going on right now sort of in my world and in my work environment is people are looking for the easy way and not the right way you know it's it's what we're seeing in bourbon like oh we got a, a new bourbon release and we're launching at a hundred dollars a bottle hello blue fucking run you know or you know cream of kentucky kentucky owl like you're not building a brand you're just building a collection of, of specialty releases why because it's easier that way it's easier that way than trying to do what jim beam or jack daniels or heaven hill does which is make a million cases of really good bourbon that taste consistent jim beam white label fantastic jim beam black label fantastic evan williams bottled and bond fantastic maker's mark fantastic they make tens of thousands hundreds of thousands of cases of that consistently and they can sell it affordably that's hard coming out with a specialty release buying some of jim beam's juice or heaven hills juice that they already made and aged or mgp juice and then just sort of putting your own little spin on it yeah that's much easier than actually doing the work and having to sell it on a volume basis rather than try to make all your money um you know slow you know fast nickels slow dimes um they're making slow quarters uh but it's harder to make the fast nickel because you have to be engaged and do it every single day and there's nothing wrong with finding the easy way every now and then sometimes the best way is the easy way um but I don't want to lose actually putting the effort in to get dressed, get in the car, leave the house, drive somewhere else to go see a movie. That takes effort. It takes getting out of the house. It takes driving. Watching a movie on your couch takes nothing. Also, it kind of reminded me of going to the gym, which I haven't been to since pre-COVID. And that is really starting to kill me. But I could never work out in my house. I go to the gym because that's the space where that's what you do. You go there for that purpose. There's no distractions. I know what I'm here for. I go to work to work. I know what I'm there for. I go to the movies to watch a movie. I like the fact that they put up on the screen, don't use your cell phone because it reminds you to disconnect when you go to the movies, 
you disconnect from the real world and you experience whatever is on the screen in front of you, whether it is a piece of shit or not. You're you're present. You're there. You're not on your couch. How many times when you watch a movie on your couch, are you on your phone? You're texting, you're checking Instagram, you're checking your messages. You're not focused and present. And that's what we're losing in this world is the ability to be present, presence, focus, empathy, humanity. So I don't want to lose that. And one of the ways I'm going to hold on to that is by continuing to go to the movies. At least once a month, I want to go see a movie. I don't even care if it's a piece of shit, but I want to go do that because it forces me to disconnect from life and my phone and everything else and be there either alone or with the person that I'm sharing that movie experience with and be present in that moment. It's priceless. It gives you something to talk about in the future. And this week, yeah, I saw a complete fucking turd. It was Thanksgiving night. We decided to go to the movies. Because, I mean, what else do you do on Thanksgiving night? Everybody else is closed. There's nowhere else to go. I don't really have any family. Just my girlfriend and I here. Uh, We had dinner together, and we decided to go to the movies. Going to see the movie Thanksgiving on Thanksgiving seemed like a great idea. It's a horror movie. My girlfriend likes horror movies. I'm not a huge fan. Um, But it was something we could do together outside of the house without cell phones distracting us. It's got Patrick Dempsey, McDreamy. Hello. It's got Lewis from the TV show Suits, which, by the way, I've started to watch Suits. I'd never watched it before. I'm much late to the game. Fantastic writing and fantastic acting. I'm almost on season four. Uh, I'm sure I'll talk about that show uh, in the future. So it's got some good cast. Eli Roth, legit director. What a piece of shit this movie was. If you're looking at it going like, oh, I'm, I'm down for a good horror movie. Thanksgiving, it's set in Plymouth, Mass. The movie is terrible. Awful. So many plot holes. It's like Swiss cheese after the mice got through it. There's so many holes. There are so many references and accents that only relate to New Englanders. Like I I got a lot of the references, but I was like, if you live in like Wyoming, this shit is not going to make sense to you. Terrible, terrible movie. That being said, I couldn't be happier that we went because I supported the movie theater. I support movies. I question how a piece of shit like that gets released. I question the people in the back row who clapped when the movie was over because it was so terrible. But that being said, even the worst movie you could see is a better experience seeing it in the theater than it is at home because it requires effort, because it requires presence, and because it's a shared human experience. It's not the same way it was when I was a kid and there'd be a hundred people in the movie theater, just me, my girl, and maybe 12 or 15 other people. But even for my girlfriend and I, to get to share that experience together. Um, those are memories. Those are moments. Those are things that matter. Uh, all the TV shows you watch from the comfort of your couch while texting and not paying attention to it, those things are forgettable. Going and living it, those are what makes memories. All right. Redbreast, Lou style. 
what we're going to do is we're going to decide which one of these three is the best. Mm-mm-mm. It's beautiful. It's delicate, soft. You get some subtle kind of toffee notes, fruit notes. Mm. Yeah, nutty, almondy. I don't know what kind of sherry they use. You know, that's the other thing is like, oh, it's sherry. Well, there is Fino, Manzanilla, Oloroso, PX, uh, Amontillado. All different types of sherry with all different levels of sweetness. So just thinking that you like sherry finish um, is a little broad. It, It actually gets a little bit more focused than that. All right. I was going to use the same glass, but I think what I'm going to do is just pour three separate glasses. Red breast number two. This is the Tawny Port Edition, which is interesting for a couple of reasons. Usually when, you know, whiskeys or, or whatever does a port finish, it's usually a ruby port. What's the difference, you say? Well, there's a lot of differences even within port of, you know, vintage port and late bottle vintage port and, you know, special uh, coliates. And to me, at, at the basis, you know, there are bottle aged and barrel aged and all these different things, but it really breaks down to ruby and tawny. And the difference is ruby ports tend to be purple in color. They tend to be grapey and chocolatey in flavor. And it's probably the port that most people recognize. Tawny ports look like they've been aged in oak barrels. They're more golden in color. They tend to take on more nutty notes, more citrusy notes. I love tawnies. Um, they tend to be about 17 to 19% alcohol. Port is a fortified wine, so it's a wine that's got an unaged brandy added to it. It helps to preserve it, and there's a whole sort of history of how uh, that came to be and, and sort of the history of port, which could be a whole nother episode of the podcast. Um, but typically, people use ruby port because it kind of holds up a little bit better uh, to whiskey. It adds more sort of chocolatey notes. But this one is a tawny port, so it's going to be more golden, lighter in color than that dark, rich purple ruby. 92 proof on this. Um, I actually have the spec sheet on this somewhere. You know, of course, not entirely prepared. But all right, here's the specs. It's a single pot still Irish whiskey bottled at 92 proof. Um, Single pot still uh, means it's made at one distillery and it's made from malted and unmalted barley. Um, The bottle age is not stated Uh, But it's about 8 to 10 years of the whiskey, and then it's aged for another year in port barrels. About 100 bucks on the shelf. Yeah, these aren't cheap. Uh, I think the Lustau is like 80 on the shelf. This one is 100. (sighs) 
again, when you finish a whiskey, and we've talked about this so many times, uh, you're either doing it to smooth out the rough edges, add another layer of flavor, or mask really bad whiskey. This is just adding another layer of flavor. I almost wish that I had just the regular red breast available, but I, I killed that recently. <clears throat> Again, soft, light, elegant. That nuttiness, honey kind of on the finish. Oh, you know that squeaky sound means something good is coming. Ah, that was nice. And red breast number three. This is PX, uh, which is a really sweet sherry. This one is also bottled at 92 proof. So 92 proof on all of them. I love that. Uh, because for so many years with scotch and with Irish, we were just kind of just fed these 80 proofers. And I'm not a proof hound. You know, I'm not drinking it because I like the higher proof. I drink things that are in balance flavor wise. And the reason I like these at 92 proof is when you're finishing it in sherry barrels or port barrels or especially PX barrels, you're adding a level of sweetness to it that you're picking up from these fortified wine barrels that almost needs that extra bit of proof, that extra bit of alcohol to balance out the levels of sweetness uh, that are kind of introduced to the whiskey. Mm. Mm. Mm -mm -mm. So this one, I think I paid, I paid 94. So I think the loose towel is 80. The PX is 90. The tawny port is a hundred. Um, that may vary from place to place. If you can even find this stuff, I know there's not a ton of PX in the marketplace. Um, the port, I haven't seen that. Again, that was a, a sample gift uh, from my dear friend, Peter. Wow. I mean, that is so rich. I will put that up against McAllen or Dalmore any day of the week. I don't give a shit. I will put that up against McAllen or Dalmore any, any day of the week. If you are a sucker for sherry bombs like I am, this one is for you. Mm. Mm -mm -mm. I'm actually going to grab a fourth glass here, and I'm going to do a little experiment. So, yeah, Thanksgiving night, I went to go see the movie Thanksgiving. Not great, um, but a fun experience nonetheless. And you know what else I love about the movies? There's a nostalgia there that maybe I don't know if everybody gets, but like you can still get some of the same candies, goobers, um, Swedish fish, which is always Swedish fish is my go to movie theater candy. Um, 
snow caps, raisinets, obviously popcorn, um, you know, with lots of butter and a giant, giant drink, which <laughs> what's, what's interesting is like, unfortunately, movie theaters don't make enough money on movie ticket sales anymore that they really do rely on those concession sales to kind of keep the lights on and keep the bills paid. Mm. Man. All right. My initial reaction out of the three, the PX is my favorite. Hands down. That is a, a strong contender for even whiskey of the year too. Uh, I'm going to have to see if I can get more of that into the store uh, because if I can have it on the shelf, then it will qualify for my end of the year uh, best of listing. So, you know, Thanksgiving, I went to go see the movie. And then on the weekend, Saturday night, I went to go see the Nutcracker at the Hanover Theater, which is right here in Worcester. Um, you know, every great city has a great theater. Um, arts really are part of the culture um, and, and what makes it a, a great city, really, is you need art and you need culture. And, you know, it's a ballet, no dialogue, all music, uh, based on a book from, you know, what seems like hundreds of years ago. All the music is done by Tchaikovsky. Um, people are always amazed when I have, like, favorite composers. Uh, I love classical music, my favorite being Mozart. Um, but I will listen to anything from Tchaikovsky, Vivaldi, um, so many others i something about classical music and we'll get into music more in the in the future but what a great time and again it was nice to be in a theater with a thousand other people my girl and i my friend katrina now works at the theater um so i get to see her and i get to see her thrive and shine doing what she does best um without the chaos of a movie set but still being in the arts, um, it's a perfect, perfect spot for her. Um, I couldn't be happier for her uh, to be there. You know, and it's just, it was unbelievable. You know, it was, the you know, we had great seats, sixth row on the left-hand side. Um, you know, just colorful watching people perform and people dance and and sort of convey things without words, um, just putting their heart and soul into it. Just an absolutely magical, beautiful performance and a great way to kind of kick off uh, Christmas. Yeah. Sorry. Um, yeah, it really did sort of start the Christmas season. And it's just, again, what a great feeling to have a collective human experience that you left your couch, you left your home, you had to go somewhere else to experience it. No cell phones, you know, no texting, no checking. You're just, you're there, you're present, you're enjoying art and creativity, and you can feel passion. Uh, and that really is, it's the essence of, of life, really, to see art live in motion experience it uh yeah 
So, you know, in the course of the week, I saw a piece of shit movie, but I saw it in the movie theater. I saw a beautiful performance that I get to see in another theater. Um, just all very, very human experiences uh, that were fantastic. I will take the bad movie as well as the great ballet all in the same because it just made me feel better to have experienced them. All right, so out of the three red breasts, again, the PX is my favorite. If you guys have any thoughts on that, if you have all three, um, do a tasting. Let me know what your favorite is. What I did here, and I haven't done this in a long time. I used to do this when I did like the the Tuesday night tastings, the Thursday night tastings, um, where I would taste multiple things and then in the end blend them together. So I have blended together all three red breasts. The Loose Style, the PX, and the tawny port and i feel like when we drink whiskey we don't do this enough um you know when you buy a bottle of barrel craft you know we were talking about those blends earlier they're blending all kinds of different whiskeys in you know to kind of get the bottling that you're going to take home but when we get it home we never put that kind of effort into our drinking experience to blend multiple bottles together. You know, maybe when you make an old fashioned, use half bourbon, half rye. Um, if you're just sipping it straight, maybe do three quarters bourbon and a quarter rye. Maybe throw a dash of American single malt in there. You know, like have some fun with it. Get creative. Uh, yeah, try to be interesting. All right, all three red breasts together. Let's see what happens. Mm. Oh, yeah, that's fantastic. I just did equal parts. But wow, do they mesh perfectly. Oh, they leave such a nice lingering finish. Whew. That is delicious. Uh, if you guys are out there listening and you have one or two of these bottles and you need a little bit of the third, if it's the loose out or the PX, reach out to me. I will be happy to pour off a sample uh, for you guys. <clears throat> All right. I'm going to take one more quick break. Uh, refresh my glasses and uh, be back to talk about the rest of this year and what the future holds for this podcast. All right, we are back. Oh, that was a weak one. Uh, I had to force it. Um, so yeah, had some, some up and down art for the week. Um, but again, better to experience it than to not have and it just sort of leads into really where to go in in the future um like i said work in retail and and just seeing kind of what the industry is is becoming and it's there, there's so many factors of just brand names and big money and all kinds of craziness that have really 
I don't it, it 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 soured me on on the industry a little bit. Uh it has definitely soured me on bourbon. And and it really sort of led to you know my thought processes of having Thanksgiving off. I had a, a whole day really to myself to just kind of think and and reflect and 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 look forward as as to where I'm going and you know, like I, I mentioned earlier of wanting to get better, wanting to stay relevant and, and interesting and not so much, you know, like I'm not a, a pop singer. Like I'm not trying to make music so that people will like it. I want to do something that I'm passionate about. And the hope is that somebody out there gets it. And I know there's a bunch of you out there that get it, which is why, you know, we're all here having this chat right now. But where to go in the future, what to do with myself, what to do with this this podcast, and how do I keep it interesting? And, you know, and one of the first things I came up with is really like the whole world of, of spirits is so bourbon centric. Now I read all the time that tequila is on the rise and it's going to be the number one spirit. Whenever you read these articles, you really have to kind of decipher what they're saying. Like tequila may be the number one spirit in terms of dollar amount, but it's because every fucking tequila, you know, a cheap good one is 40 bucks. So you know, and all the hundred dollar bottles of Class A Azul and Sincoro and all that stuff. Those drive up the dollar values. Volume wise, not as much as bourbon or, or even vodka. Um, but again, nobody really wants to talk. Like the people who want to talk tequila are very niche. And I am blessed that I, I have the palate and the knowledge to kind of cover not just whiskey, but rum and brandy and gin and vodka and, you know, any Sotal, Mezcal, tequila that I can kind of have those conversations, but I know where the, the predominance of my conversations are held. And that is in the bourbon world, at least when it comes to my customers and, and what I'm doing there uh, with my friends, with you guys. Yeah, we we're kind of all over the place. And that's what makes the connection that I have with so many of you so special is that it's not just uh, what do you get out back for Buffalo Trace? You know, it's not those conversations. They're they're interesting. They're different. They're they're growing. And it, it kind of factored into like, again, there, there really hasn't been I've tasted some amazing bourbons this year. But again, that Parker's Heritage Double Barreled Oak, that's a one-shot deal. Great bourbon, but it's not an everyday release. And even if it was an everyday release, I can't afford to drink that every day. Uh, Maker's Mark Cellar Aged, absolutely amazing. Worth every penny I spent on it. Worth all the hype that led up to it. Still surprised that I haven't seen any hype really after it got released. But not a daily drinker. Um you know, the Russells that I tasted with Derek, that was kind of a one shot deal. The Four Roses, like I've tasted some amazing, incredible bourbons. Uh, we just tasted, you know, the Remus and the Yellowstone, amazing bourbons, but they're one shot deals. 
that gets me excited to a degree, but I, I don't know that I want to keep hunting those specialty bottles. I want to be excited about Redwood Empire. I haven't felt excited about a brand of bourbon since maybe Redwood Empire or when Maker's Mark uh, 101 came out. George Dickel 8-Year is the closest thing to that. Um, Middle West Pumpernickel Rye, that was one that I got excited about this year. But as I, I kind of stood in the aisles in my store, looking up and down the bourbon aisle, as I'm trying to put together, again, like my best of list of the year. And I'm like, well, no, there's really nothing new. Like there's been some some additions. Woodenville, which had a lot of hype coming into the market. And then you taste it and you're like, oh, it's pretty good. Um, didn't blow my socks off, but it's really good. And I'm happy I, I bought it. Uh, new Riff. New Riff is really exciting to have in the market. And that is really, really good. Um, but other than that, like there's not... You know, Starlight came into the market, but I, I honestly don't think Starlight is is that great of a base bourbon. Uh, all their sort of accolades come on their finished bourbon. So there just wasn't a lot in bourbon that really got me excited. And that leads to back to the podcast of like, how do I keep myself engaged and excited week after week after week? And Part of the reason I do this podcast is it's I, I I've said it before. It keeps me honest. Like every week I'm committed to doing this, to sitting down, to talking to you guys. If nobody listens, then nobody listens. If 10 people listen, if 20 people listen, if 50 people listen, that's awesome. But in a way, I kind of do it for me. And and it's the podcast that I want to do and I enjoy the deeper dives. I enjoy getting to to vent, to rant, <laughs> to ramble, to be ridiculous at times. I really, really do enjoy that. But I, I was sort of faced with like the subject matter of, you know, how do I keep finding interesting ways to talk about bourbon every week? You know, um, it, it makes it hard to go to work sometimes of like, how do I find, you know, everybody wants to talk about the same thing when they come in the store. Like, what do you got for Buffalo Trace, Elmer T. Lee, E.H. Taylor? Um, you know, like when I get somebody who's like, hey, have you tried uh, this new Irish whiskey? I get excited. I get stimulated. It's different. Um, you know, when you, you do the same thing all the time. I talked earlier about going to the gym. Like if you just go to the gym every day and you work biceps day after day after day, they'll get bigger, they'll get stronger, but at a certain point they're going to plateau and they're just not going to do anything. You need to take a day off, let them recover, maybe let them sort of recede a little bit and then hit them again and then it will reinvigorate. But in the meantime, you have to be working all the other muscles because if you're just working biceps, your arms are going to look really fucking weird. And to me, if you're just drinking bourbon, then you're just sort of one-dimensional. You're cliche and you're not interesting anymore. Um, but I also have to balance that with like people like what they like and they know what they like and they don't want to veer away from that. I'm fine with that. I'm fine with the customer who loves Jim Beam. They're going to come in, buy Jim Beam week after week. That's awesome. That's how I pay my bills. It's the people who come in looking for the the quote unquote good stuff all the time uh, and don't want 
anything else. Don't want to try anything else. Don't want to be open to anything else. There's no growth there. Um, and, and for me, like, again, how do I keep talking about bourbon week after week? And, and what do I do to keep myself engaged? And what I have found myself, and you guys know, like I've been talking about documentaries that I've watched and, and movies and, and you know music and books. And I really want to dive more into that stuff because that stuff is, that stuff is real to me. It's somebody's creative vision. It's somebody's creative expression. It tells the story of, you know, not just that person. I've read so many incredible biographies lately that I like, I've just been in this sort of rabbit hole of reading about interesting people, whether it's, you know, Bumpy Johnson, Malcolm X, um, Billy Holiday, Rasputin, Anthony Bourdain. Why? Because as much as those people are different than me, we're all human. And in somewhere in those stories, you find a piece of yourself in there. Why are movies so great? Because, you know, every now and then, not, you know, you're not watching Spider-Man going like, I'm Spider-Man. Uh, but maybe Spider-Man's got a romantic problem. We're like, oh, you know, I went through that in my relationship. You know, there's in, in all this expression, you can find pieces of yourself, you know, and that's what makes when you have a favorite movie, when you have a favorite book, when you have a favorite song or a favorite artist, it's because there's something in their creative process that you identify with. And that is the collective energy that bonds us as humans. That's why art is so important. That's why music is so important. It's why theater is so important. And for me, like bourbon is, it's kind of a dead end street. It's getting to that point where like, all right, it's bourbon. And we're already seeing it. You know, people aren't just looking to make great bourbon. They're finishing it in Amberana and in different types of barrels. And because you know, people like Penelope realize like, oh, the, the base model bourbon's kind of generic. But if we finish it in Amberana barrels and if we finish it in rosé barrels and we finish it in a different type of barrel or we do something out because it, it, it's gonna, it's going to get one dimensional. Whereas art, art is never ending. Humanity is constantly, constantly evolving. You know, there, there are. It, it really is the more things change, the more they stay the same, but the more they evolve in, in, in their essence. And so I really want to focus more in on that. And the original podcast that I ever wanted to do, by the way, I had that weak little cork pop. We haven't even talked about the whiskey. I'm kind of sticking with the Irish theme, you know, because I don't want to, you know, again, be like that person who's like, oh, I've got Red Breast Loostow and PX and Tawny Port. I also have just an everyday Irish whiskey. This is half penny and it is casked four times um, in port pipes, sherry butts, um, American oak, and one other one because it's written in invisible ink on here. Um, yeah, 
but it's it's cast in four barrels. It's under 40 bucks. It's 86 proof. It's a 750 milliliter, which is kind of an oddity in today's world of whiskeys coming over here from Europe, especially the UK. And it's just everyday affordable Irish whiskey. Mm, mm, mm. You get the sherry notes, you get the port notes, you get some bourbon notes. This is absolutely delicious. And, you know, somebody asked me in the beginning of the year what I thought about whiskey, uh, you know, for 2023. And to me, Irish whiskey was where all the growth was. You know, for, for years with Irish whiskey, we were just sort of bombed with blended Irish whiskey, Jameson, Tullamore Dew, Bushmills, all great products, but all pretty one-dimensional. All of a sudden, in the last couple of years, we've started to see things like single pot, single malt. We're seeing peated Irish whiskeys. We're seeing finished Irish whiskeys. There's a couple of them that are going to make my top 10 of the year without a doubt. Um, so you know, there's good Irish whiskeys out there. Um and they're, they're more affordable and more approachable than scotch is right now. Uh, and they just offer a different flavor profile. I don't like them. They taste young. Shut the fuck up. Young is not a flavor. Um, if there is one thing that the Maker's Mark Cellar Age proved, aging it in a 55-degree cave for four or five years is not the same as aging it in a 110-degree rickhouse for three years it's just a totally age does not tell the whole entire story it's the conditions where it's aged it's why people want to know what floor it's on um but you start to change temperatures and climates and in ireland and in scotland where it doesn't get to be 110 degrees it's a pretty consistent 65 70 degrees all year round you can age those whiskeys forever you know i talked about uh, you know scotch whiskeys that are 50 60 years old you would never get that in Kentucky because in 50 years, you'd have a pile of dust. Not only would the barrel be empty, but all the wood would have fallen apart and crumbled in 50 years. So, you know, to say like, I tried that Irish whiskey, it tasted kind of young. You're a moron. It just doesn't taste big and bold and oak bombed because <coughs> it hasn't sat in, you know, 110 degree Kentucky summer. But they're fantastic. They're elegant. They're stylish. Um, they're less brutish um, and just more finesse in style. And that half penny is that's a great, great value. That's on the shelf in my store um, all day long. Now, the last whiskey that I'm going to taste, I'm going to be that guy. <laughs> um, this is one of the whiskeys that, you know, once it tips that $100 point for me, I'm usually not buying a second bottle. Oh, yeah. But this was one that I had to. And this was a sample that was given to me by, I believe, uh, my friend Craig gave me a sample of this. I tried it. I was blown away. And then my friend, Corey, uh, who does the whiskey videos with me for the store, 
who's been on the podcast here with me, did the roundtable discussions, um, who works in the industry going store to store, saw one at a store. I had him pick it up for me, um, and I ended up killing that bottle. And I was without it for a long time. And then my friend Glenn, being up in New Hampshire a couple weeks ago for an event, said, hey, it's on sale up there. Would you like a bottle? And I said, absolutely. And this is the Yellow Spot 12-year. Part of the reason I brought this out is Yellow Spot is made at the same distillery as Redbreast, which is the same distillery that makes Jameson, which is the same distillery that produces um, Middleton. And they have the largest supply of Irish whiskey in Ireland. So this is a 12-year single pot still Irish whiskey. So again, malted and unmalted barley. Three cask maturation. Bourbon, sherry cask, and Malaga cask, which is a sweet dessert wine bottled at... Where's my proof point on this? Hmm. You know, let's pull the bottle back out of the tube. Should be right there on the front. Yeah, 92 proof. So same proof point as the red breast. This stuff is, is gold. So... Where am I going with all this? Um, I don't know what's going to happen job-wise. Uh, I, I, I'm i the kind of person that needs to grow, needs to be stimulated, need to be creative. I'm not finding that in, in that aspect, but I can find that here on the podcast. So for the rest of the year, it's going to be a lot of reminiscing because I feel like, not that I'm advocating like resting on your laurels, which is, you know, part of what I deal with on a personal side in my job where, you know, I work for people who have been successful for many, many years uh, and don't want to evolve anymore and are perfectly content to say that I've been doing this for 50 years. And uh, yeah, so I know everything, which reminds me of Bill Belichick when they interviewed him in the beginning of the season, when they asked him, why should the Patriots fans be excited about the Patriots this year? And he said, well, the last 25 years. That doesn't show me what you're doing today. It doesn't show me where you're going tomorrow. It shows me that you're content to just stand on what you've done in the past and then let everybody else pass you. That's my job. Here, why should you be excited about the podcast going forward? Because I'm going to change things up. I'm going to do more things that are interested to me. Um, You're going to get more passion from me from where I want to go with this. So the rest of the year, yeah, I'm going to spend a lot of time reminiscing about what an incredible, incredible year I have had. Um, and also an incredibly difficult, um, but you know, having been to Kentucky, been up to New Hampshire a few times, uh, done a lot of traveling, seen a lot of shows, tasted a lot of amazing whiskeys, met some incredible, incredible people in the industry. There's a lot of that to kind of reflect on and take in and appreciate. And I really 
even now, like I don't know that I fully appreciate the time I spent in Kentucky because it happened so fast. And then, you know, as soon as it was over, things happened after that. And I never really got a chance to reflect on that. So I really want to spend some time in December reflecting on that. We're going to talk about, you know, the best whiskeys of the year that I've tried, some of the best spirits of the year that I've tried, uh, some of the best documentaries, TV shows, movies that I've seen, some of the best music that I've heard this year. And then going into next year, I really want to bring more culture into the podcast. You know, the first podcast idea I had, the first sort of the genesis of this, and I've done this on this podcast before, is the concept of drink to music too, where I would pair a great album with a spirit that I feel like blends and and pairs really well with that. I don't want to limit it just to music. It's going to be a book. It's going to be a movie. It's going to be something in a spirit that pairs well with it. I really want to dive into the creative side of life, the the creative process. Um, Talking less about the industry because the industry just has become so redundant and repetitive Um, But again, there's always new art to explore and new directions that art can go. And there's always great art in the past. The thing with bourbon is there might have been a great bourbon in 1976. You can't get it anymore. But Bob Dylan may have released a great album in 1966. I can still listen to it today. It's still available and accessible. That's what I want to explore. Um, I want to explore books and art and music, and movies, and pair them with spirits, and hopefully inspire some of you guys to maybe get back into that. Because, you know, when we're kids, and I had re- read a, a great book uh, by a guy named John Taylor Gatto uh, called Weapons of Mass Instruction, and he was a New York State Teacher of the Year. I'll talk about this book. Maybe I'll do a whole episode on it. But he talked about the statistic of when you ask children who are 10 years old, you know, you take a classroom of, you know, 20 kids and you say like, yeah, if only the classrooms were that manageable of a size. How many of you feel like you're creative? Or if you look at them and you go, how many of these kids are creative? 15 to 18 out of the 20 are creative kids. They like to draw, they like to color, they like to sing, they like to dance. Take those same 20 kids by the time they're 18 and ask them how many of them are creative then. It's been cut in half because they're on the wheels of life, whether it's dating, sports, whatever. Uh, Ask them by the time they're 28, maybe one or two of those kids is still creative. Why is that important? Because creative people are intelligent people. And intelligent people are critical thinkers and they ask questions. Once you lose the creativity, you lose the desire to ask questions. Um, And so the hope is that, you know, and I've talked to some of you already who are like, you know, I love the, the Sunday vinyl post you put up. You know, it inspired me to go get a record player and listen to music again. You know, how many of us as we get older don't listen to music or don't try to discover music? We're just being fed whatever 10 songs are playing on the fucking radio right now. And we stop trying to discover people with passion 
and we just take whatever works with the perfect beats per minute and the right rhythm and the perfect melody and the perfect harmony and whatever is fed to us. Um, again, going to see that movie, I was amazed at how many people clapped for that piece of shit movie. I was happy that they were there to clap, but I thought like, wow, this is dumb. Like who uh, watching it? I just kept thinking like, well, that's not possible. That's a plot hole. There's no way that this could happen. It's not like usual suspects, which is the ultimate plot twist in the world. The greatest movie plot twist of all time. And I'll stand by that and I'll fight to the death on it. You know, watching usual suspects, you go back and rewatch it and you go like, that's plausible. It makes sense. You know, it challenges your brain. It makes you think it makes you ask questions. That's why these things are important because they're important to our soul and our humanity and our intelligence. And I want to explore those and pair them with spirits um, and hopefully inspire uh, some people to kind of rediscover their artistic and creative and passionate selves. All right. Yellow spot, 12 year Irish whiskey, triple cask. Mm. Just the right amount of alcohol keeps the sweetness in check. I'm going to pour the last half of that sip in with my mixture of all the red breasts. Give that a little stir. Yeah, if you see any of these red breasts or that yellow spot out in the wild for a good price, they are worth the pickup. If you're just looking for a good bottle to sit, drink while you're watching the football game, the half penny, perfect. Um, yeah, good, good stuff. All right, we're nearing the end um, of this podcast. Thank you guys so much for sticking around and for letting me vent. Um and for letting me be a part of your day and for being a part of mine, I really do appreciate everybody who's out there listening, everybody who comments and says, oh, it was a great listen. Um, everybody who stops by the store shares their good stuff with me. I appreciate all of it. I appreciate all of you. And I am thankful. You know, it's Thanksgiving. It's the time for being thankful. I am thankful uh, for you guys who are good to balance out kind of some of the muck <laughs> I have to sort through. Um, and yeah, hopefully uh, we keep this thing going. We keep the journey going uh, and, and we, yeah, we continue to grow together. So again, hopefully you guys had a great holiday. Christmas is coming up. Hopefully you're going to get to spend some more time with family or you're going <laughs> to stop by the store and buy some alcohol to help cope with your family. Uh, either way, if you're still here listening, you guys know the drill by now. Um, if you haven't done so already, go to the podcast page, click that follow button, give it a five-star rating, share it out on your social media. Um, follow along on Facebook and Instagram where you can leave comments and reviews about the podcast you can also message me through both of those platforms. Uh, and for everything else, you can email me at thespiritsguide89 at gmail.com. All right, guys. I will uh, be back next week to talk to you. Cheers. Yay!